Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I am your host, Al the Brewer, and I am so glad you are listening today. This podcast is for anyone that wants to learn more about craft beer and the culture that surrounds it. Whether you're brand new to the scene or a vet of craft beer, I hope you find something to take away from this podcast. So, pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy. Cheers. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? Welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. My name is Al the Brewer. I am your host and beer guide. How are we doing? Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you who is taking the time to listen to this little podcast. So uh, you may be able to hear my beer fridge buzzing off in the background. You are. Uh, this is. I'm recording from my uh, brewery slash podcast den slash place where my guitar amp lives with all my pedals and whatnot. And uh, I love this little space. It's great. It's uh, part of the reason why we bought this house was because my wife looked and said, look, all your beer stuff goes there. Done. Um, Anyways, today we're going to be talking to Mick again. I hope you liked that last conversation on good beer. That was a little while ago. Um, But with him being a Cicerone, I thought it would be great to call him up. Um, Actually, went back to his back to his uh, kitchen and recorded a little there. Um, about how to appreciate the beer that is in the, your glass. You mean, uh, you spend all this money on the beer, we might as well try to get the most out of it. So that is what we're going to be talking today, is how to appreciate the beer that is in your glass. Um, yeah, I think it's a good one. I had a good time talking to Mick. Uh, he's a great host. He's a great guy to just hang out with. Um, please, please, please hit up his uh, craft beer chats um, listen to that first, uh, I think it was episode something or another, I'll put in the show notes or whatnot, uh, about, uh, good beer. And that was the first conversation we had, uh, but hit up his, uh, craft beer chat, especially if you're in the DFW area, he's a great guy to talk to. He's very knowledgeable. And, um, any one of the craft beer chats, I've been to one and it was awesome. And I've talked in talking to him, you just get the, the sense of how much he loves talking about beer. So, uh, we're going to start that episode in just a second. Please don't forget, uh, rate and subscribe an Apple podcast or whatever app you're using. Um, you can drop me a line or you can find me on all the interwebs at Al the Brewer or go to the website I know nothing about beer.com or drop me a line at althebrewer at gmail.com. All right, that's about it. Thank you so very much. I so appreciate each and every one of you listening. Uh, thanks. Cheers. Hey, uh, this is Mick again. If not, go. If you don't uh, remember hearing his voice, uh, go back to the "What Makes a uh, a Good Beer, What Makes Beer Good" episode. I think it's episode one. Uh, that could change. We'll see. Um, but I wanted to, make, to get him on this episode because he is a uh, a cicerone. Now there are different levels to cicerone. Well, let's start with this. If you don't know what a Cicerone is, Mick, what is a Cicerone? <laughs> so the word Cicerone, and by the way, thanks for having me again. I really appreciate it. Um, the, the word Cicerone means guide. Um, so that's really what the word means. Um, 
and I know Ray Daniels and all them, they, they struggled with what do we call the beer sommeliers, for those that are familiar with it. You know, sommeliers are those guys in restaurants that come and tell you all about wine. And, and so when they started that for the beer world, they kind of figured out, okay, what word do we use? And they came up with the word Cicerone, which means guide. So really, we are beer guides, if you want, helping people navigate mm-hmm. the world of beer. And And there's now four levels. The there first level. Used to be three. There used to be three. Uh, they realized that the jump from level two to th- two to three back then was really really big. I know a couple of colleagues level twos uh, that took the level three exam and they went, yeah, d- don't even bother. Mm-hmm. Um, so level one is really geared towards people serving beer, understanding glassware and serving practices and pressures and tap systems and all that. And, and I, I think that's because I became a, a... It's called Certified Beer Server. And I think I have that and it's an online only. It is an online only 60 I'm like questions. Number, I'm number like 823 Sweet. or something like yeah, that. That's, yeah, that's that's early. Yes. Uh, that's early. I, I in took the, that a long time ago. I think I think there's... I, I don't even know how many thousands there are now in the United States. Um, I know I teach those classes quite a bit for for restaurants and other places that, that want their staff to, to become level one. Ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's certified beer server, and it really focuses, like the word said, on serving practices. Um, level two is is certified cicerone. Um, it, it, it's interesting that when I took the exam, it, it 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 was pretty difficult just because of the fact that there wasn't that much information out there, and I mm-hmm. sat for the exam and passed. You know first pass whatever with my belgian background it was kind of a kind of more of a bet and a and a fun thing to do and then i passed but um now uh, there's quite a few people around that do certified um the educational materials are out there if you need to know just um give me a holler me or or join the dfw cicerone study group um it's out there on social media uh there's quite of us certifieds that that stay engaged with that group and, mm-hmm. and try to help people um get to the certified exam it's um it requires some dedication it requires some studying it requires some reading it requires some understanding but it's definitely passable so, and just to give you a little bit of my own personal history, I yeah. um, was a, a I, I got my level one, mm-hmm. and for anybody that wants to work in beer, get your level one. Oh, yeah, it, absolutely. It's, it's doable. It's not hard at all. It's, it's, it's doable if you know, if you're like, I think I know craft beer, take the practice exam line, and then go from there. Um, I got my level one. It helped me get a job at uh, a place in California that I worked at. Um, the level two requires some blind tasting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that is where kind of rubber meets the road in beer knowledge. Yep. Um, I, for myself, being a guy that was tasting every day, tasting beer every day, I found out that I needed a whole lot more practice on my palate. And I know that may sound weird because palate uh, may sound like a wine guy <laughs> term, but really once you start to get to do blind tasting, the idea of, training your palate up for something becomes a reality. And it's it's definitely something that you do need to study for. 
Absolutely. I mean, um, we all know, you know, when we walked into grandma's house and grandma was making cookies or whatever it was, we all remember that smell, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the ability to recognize its smell or that taste, describe it, and then guide others that might be sitting down and saying, hey, what does this taste like? Well, it tastes good. Well, that, that's and not how you're helping people. So that's where the differentiation comes in as a certified is that you're able to detect, describe, and distinguish good and bad flavors because yeah. bad, bad flavors in beer do, do exist. And so that that's where it really goes. Um, level three now, which is the advanced exam, uh, I sat for it once. Uh, I didn't make it. I'll, I'll be completely honest, although not by much, but I didn't make it. Um, there was a local large brewery <laughs> sales rep sitting next to me. Um, and he was like, holy shit, what was this? Uh, <laughs> it, 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 he, did he did worse than I did. But, um, I would and, just and, love and, to see the brewery oh, rep yeah, going like, it, oh, man, what did I just do? Yeah, and it was at Andrews, and there was there was several Ooh. Andrews people in the room. Uh, we had 25 people in the room. There was several Andrews reps and who were me, certified, by the way. Let, let me take a moment room, just, just to say and, we live in North Texas. Yes. Andrews is one of the big distributors. Oh, here. absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. So, so just for people that have no idea what Andrews is, because yeah. coming from, from California, there were other big distributors that, um, I'll, I'll tell you this, me and my buddy, um, we were driving to someplace on the highway and I'm not an advocate for uh, uh, this behavior. But we may have raised a certain finger up while passing this major distributor because they were owned by one of the big three. And that is kind of how sometimes I get a feeling of when I hear of other larger distributors and the, the power that they will. But that's yes. a very different Yeah, let's podcast. make that a separate podcast yes. because, because people, people complain about – and I get it, right? ABI and Coors and buying over breweries and all the other good yes, stuff. Yes, yes, yes. But the power but, really, really lays with distributors. Yes, However, but what makes that part funny when you're saying Andrews guys mm-hmm, is these mm-hmm. are the guys that are the reps for all of these beers that are supposed to know anything and everything about these beers. Exactly. And when they come in and go, oh, and, wait, well, wait, what? Yeah, and, and, and I'm know. sure they prep for the test, but there is... Uh, beer reps get kind of um, uh, can get kind of the uh, the upper they they can get a mythos around them of like oh they work for the guys right and 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 absolutely nonetheless I know several of the guys you know B Day again Texas distribution you really have I mean there's a few there's more, about three there's three big ones it's really Benny Keith Andrews and then Silver uh Silver Eagle mainly in the south and southwest of the state but um and and you got to you got to be honest they have certified cicerones on staff right yeah. and and so these guys know beer you, you don't pass a certified cicerone exam which you walk in at eight in the morning, and I think I walked out at one thirty in the afternoon or so. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't pass a certified Cicerone exam if you don't know at least a little bit more than the average Joe about beer. Yeah, and so the, the, these are certified Cicerones in the room with us. But long story short, you know, there's twenty five of us in the room, and actually one of the people in the room is also a sommelier, which was she's awesome, by the way. If you ever want to know who she is, 
shoot me a note. But uh, she's a, she's and by the way, she's now in advance. She made it in a later, okay. in a later sitting. But so she's a sommelier. She's a certified. She knows flavors. She knows chemistry. She knows off flavors. She knows components. Mm-hmm. She knows ingredients. She knows history. She knows everything. And none of these people in the room passed that exam. So it, it when you get to advanced, it tends to get pretty brutal. Um, and then master is like two days in Chicago. You get just put through the ringer. I mean, forget that. It, 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 it's, it, it is a... Uh, there's 13 masters in the world. So whatever, yeah. you know. And and I think, uh, do you know the movie Somme? I'm sorry? Somme, the movie Somme? No, I don't oh, know. you don't know? Oh, okay. No. Do you have Netflix? I do. Okay. I have to look into it. Okay, it is a, a a documentary about several people that are trying to pass the Master Sommelier test. Gotcha. And so, if anybody listening, please check out that movie because it gives you an idea of what it takes to taste something in in a way that says beyond it's good. Oh it's, yeah. What are you grabbing? What are you grabbing out of there? What are you tasting out of there? Um, one of the things I tell people is if you smell it, let, say it out loud. Mm-hmm. What do you smell? What do mm-hmm. you taste? Just, just not, don't think of right and wrong, but just let us know. What is it? You know, um, do you get orange, orange peel, orange pith, orange, um, the meat of the orange? Those all have different flavors, taste. Curacao uh, orange or sweet orange, yeah. blood orange or yeah, regular yeah. orange, yeah, yeah. Meyer lemon versus regular lemon. And, it it gets and, and people, very very and technical. people may yeah. turn up their nose to that, but it gets when very you yeah when you start to really dive deep in what it takes to taste something and to taste something beyond oh is it good or bad, um, it it, it gives you a a greater appreciation for how the beer is made. Yeah, it does. And and again, I I don't think it's for everybody. Um, And I'm one of the guys that goes, okay, I took this exam and I passed and awesome. Um, It doesn't make me better than anybody else. I have um, a wife who's got a phenomenally good nose. She hates beer, by the way, but her sense of smell is phenomenal. And she'll go, oh, this smells like X. And I go like, what? What? And then I go back (laughs) and I go, yeah, you're right. It does smell like X. So yeah, you you have this, this, this lady who is married to a guy who's been around beer for almost 40 years, who's a certified Cicerone, Mm -hmm. dot, 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 dot. And yet she still picks out aromas and flavors that I go like, I, I have no idea. So it doesn't mean much in that regard. It does mean that you have a certain knowledge and understanding of mm-hmm. where this comes from and mm-hmm. how this is created and how to describe it and how to identify it. Because people ask me all the time, how, how do you do this? And it's it's frankly not that hard. It's practice in the sense that I literally have now, after doing this for so long, I have a mental checklist. Mm-hmm. And so when you smell a beer, you go, is it this, no, this, no, this, no, this, no, this, oh, yeah, I get this. Okay, this, no, this, no. oh, this, yes, for sure. And so it's trying to build that mental checklist and not only building it, but but 
recognizing it, mm -hmm. right? Versus it's a, oh, yeah. it's a Granny Smith apple versus a Golden Delicious apple and versus a this versus a that. And you can train yourself to do that. It's mm -hmm. not hard to do. It's just a matter of practice and doing it. And and one of the things, and it's funny because we've got a, a glass of beer in front of mm -hmm. us that we have been we've been mm -hmm. talking about, and I won't I won't mention it because we have we have very differing opinion, not differing, but like we're no. both kind of like meh about it. Um, and I don't want to meh over a, a over someone on a on a podcast. Yeah, but exactly. one of the things I've noticed, and and you'll notice someone that I, I this is I think across the board, um, someone that is interested in the drink swirls um, all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I've seen you've been you've been doing, and I've had people comment to me about that, like, why do you keep why do you fidget with your glass a lot? I'm like, well, I'm swirling because uh, because you taste more with your nose than with your mouth. That's what I've heard at least. Yeah, it, it's I I don't know about more or less or there's there's a whole bunch of science around it, but it's for sure that smell is a big big part of taste. Mm -hmm. Not only that, and, and just for those looking, um, I like to drink out of tekus, especially when I drink mm -hmm. a beer for the first time. Uh, if you don't know what a teku is, hit me up. It's kind of wide at the bottom, narrow at the top. It kind of helps. And it's not just um, the fact that you swirl um, allows for some volatile compounds to evaporate and so you can smell them better. Um it also warms up the beer a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so when you're starting with a beer, 90% of the time it comes out of your fridge, blah, blah, blah. But but then there's some alcohol volatile compounds that are too cold. They won't, you know, they won't actually dissipate, yada, yada, yada. And so some of that helps kind of aerize or aerosolize or whatever the right term is really um, to bring those aromas and especially volatile compounds mainly mm -hmm. thiols things like that out and it helps it helps your aroma but mm -hmm. but again i've seen yes it's what i like to do mm -hmm. yes because for me it's part of the whole experience of drinking a beer and then again 90 percent of the time when i come home after working 12 or 14 days i just go to my fridge i grab a can of some kind of a pilsner yes i will pour it in a glass always and i'll just pour it in a glass and i'll drink it and i am not going through the swirling and the whole nine yards it's just it's, it's i just need it depends it yeah. all depends yep yeah. yeah yeah no i totally get that um okay so um since this part is about appreciating beer right you're, you're a guy that knows how to appreciate a beer uh give some tips on how someone can better appreciate a beer well I think there's there's the two big pieces to it, right? Just like I said, in certain occasions, I really want to get to know a beer, if you want. And um, I'll take the time. I'll look at it. I'll pour it. I'll make sure my glass is really beer clean, mm -hmm. which means you scrub it inside and outside with soap, hot water. Make sure it's really, really clean. Don't put it in the dishwasher because... All your greasy plates, all that grease that comes out of your plates just gets flung around onto your beer glass. So um, wash them by hand with some good soap, good scrubber. Rinse them really well. Make sure you get a clean glass. You pour it, and then I'll look at it. You know, 
and I take my time, just like we did with this one. Um, just I think like we did with the one we, we had during the previous interview, you know, you take time and you go, okay, what does it look like? Oh, this looks like a breadcrumb, yada, yada, a little bit cloudy. Oh, okay, it sticks to the side of the glass, blah, 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 blah. And I yeah. smell it. So you take your time to go through a process. Other times, it's a beer I know and I know the flavor and I just pour it and take a big, deep gulp and go... I needed this, hmm. you know, long day at work, whatever it is. But um, be focused on your beer. I mean, if not, you might just as well do a kegerator, whatever, with a you know Bud Light and a funnel. So, so I think there's a little bit of an intentionality behind it mm-hmm. that helps you appreciate beer. Um, and the last thing I would say is. Yes, it takes a little bit of investment. It takes a little bit of effort. Mm-hmm. But build up your beer fridge a little bit with some different styles. You know, get a couple of Pilsners and a couple of IPAs. But but get some box or some wheat beers, be they German or locally made, and get some mm-hmm. Dunkel license and get some porters. And don't Don't just stock your fridge with... 14% double imperial barrel aged whatever just buy a good selection of well made drinkable beers and then when you sit down for dinner start thinking oh i'm having fish ooh maybe a saison would be good but if you don't have a saison in your fridge you're kind of screwed right mm-hmm. so ooh let me make sure i've got some tank 7 or Green belt, or by the way, till and toil, uh, from liquid, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, I I don't know when you're gonna air this, but I'm not sure it's gonna come back because it didn't sell very well, but we'll see. Um, and that's the rumor mill, don't take me on upon it, I don't know, but it, it there's because I'm such a big fan of it as well, um. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me that hey, it may not come be back, coming be coming back this year. So we'll see. But long story short, buy buy some of that, and then you have some roast pork, and you go, ooh, maybe you know some German dark lager or a Dunkelweiss would be good. Well, mm-hmm. if you don't have one in your fridge to try to figure that out, then you're kind of screwed. So build a collection in your fridge of just. A variety of beers. They don't have to be expensive. Mm-hmm. Just buy a good range and then slowly start figuring out, ooh, this beer with this food. Oh, I like that. No, I didn't like that, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get to appreciate beer as just a beverage with food yeah. in general. Yeah. And again, it, it's not hard. It's not expensive. It just takes a little bit of concentrated effort. And I think, you know, talking about appreciating beer, for me, that's the big thing. It's intentionality. Hmm. Learning how to appreciate beer is all about intentionality. Um, Outside of that, 
people have different flavors. People have different aromas. People have different tastes. Some people will like a beer. Some people will, will not like a beer. As long as the beer is well made without obvious flaws, I am the last person in the world to argue about, oh, this is a good beer. This is a bad beer. As mm-hmm. long as it's well made without flaws, you like it. Mm-hmm. Great. Drink it. Be happy. Yeah, yeah. Now, I noticed that you did say Teku. Now, I'll, I'll say this. A Teku... The one that we have in front of us right now, um, there's a, there's, so there's the standard wine glass, which is rounded mm-hmm. and then generally goes straight mm-hmm. up. Yep. Then you have what's called a tulip, um, which uh, it has a rounded bottom and then it does a gentle slope mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So the gentle slope up narrows. So you end up with a larger bottom, narrower top. Mm-hmm. And then the teku does a wider bottom and then does a more sharp angle up. Yeah, it's almost then, like a triangle. Yeah, yeah, almost like a triangle. Um, how much do you actually care about glassware? <laughs> because I have had people look at me in my, my tulip glass that I pour something into and they go, really, man? Really? And I'm like, look, I, I, I like this style. Um, I like being able to smell my beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and I'm never going to turn my nose up to man. It's a hot day. I just want a Pacifico in a in a bottle because I've just got done mowing the yard, and that is a that is kind of my standard out of the fridge. I have known to, or I've been known to drink beer out of a can. I have no problem with it either. Um, I do think though that once you get into you know beyond the lawnmower beers or the pool beers. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think a glass is warranted. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, in Belgium, um, every beer has its glass, right? I mean, if you ever visit Belgium, you will drink a beer and you will get the glass for that beer. There's yeah. just no if, buts, and wins about it. Now, in the state of Texas or in the United States at large, that's actually nearly impossible to do for a uh, for an establishment. I, owner. I mean, the best that you could hope for is the same branded glass yeah for that thing. but yeah. even even then in general you're going whatever they have around i mean uh, pretty much I unless mean, there, a place some... really takes its beer seriously um uh, i've been to places where they're like well you're having a uh, uh a an esb so we're gonna make sure you get it in a non-make you know and and i and i'm like oh that's that's kind of fun um but in general most places either serve out of a uh, a standard pint, yeah, shaker glasses, a shaker, yeah. or which um, are horrible. <laughs> or they may, if they're going to feel smanchy smancy, serve out of a, a a tulip of some some various fashion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, shaker glasses are horrible. Um, although I've got I've got them. I, I mean, they're, they're, they are they get used in my house. Don't get me wrong. They're, um, they're great for bars, as in they don't break. Yeah, that's exactly the point. And by the way, which is the history of no nicks. No nicks, yeah. Yeah, as well. Um, I, I I would say if, if anybody um, asks me what's my favorite glass, um, it, it's almost like a tulip kind of glass. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can show you later or again online folks listening to this. Go find me and, and I'll send you a picture. And actually I wrote an article about it. Um, on you know craftbeerchats.com there's actually if you go down to articles there's an article uh, talking about glassware actually and what i personally think 
the beer glass should be that everybody should have in their house. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's not quite a tulip in the sense that it doesn't mm-hmm. round and become narrow. It's, it's round at the bottom, but it just goes straight up. I used to be able, uh, frankly, you used to be able to find them relatively cheap. Like, I don't oh, know. Cowtown used those. Yeah, uh, could be. I, I, I just had some Cowtown beers, but I have not visited the brewery yet. I was yet, just which, there, and let me give them some free advertising. Good barbecue and just a, a great place overall. Well, by the time this airs, I may, I may have visited them. L- but let I, me I know had, when you go to Cowtown. I had their uh, uh, Imperial IPA Stampede the other mm-hmm. day. It was really well. I mean, very, very, very well made. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it earth shattering, but it was really well made. It was a well made mm-hmm. IPA, Imperial IPA. So quite happy with that but um it's it's very similar to a tulip but it's just straight you used to be able to buy them at target for like 15 bucks for like a four pack and if i, I know the and, exact kind you're talking and about if you're yeah. saying hey i'm washing my hand uh, my glasses by hand you're not gonna break them all that often that is the best beer glass in the sense that it allows you to look at the beer you can serve any beer in it be it from Pilsner or an IPA all the way to a quad or a barrel-aged stout. It, it would all work in that glass. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very good middle-of-the-road glass. And so outside of that, um, I'm not a huge stickler. I mean, my favorite beer in the world is Orval, and I have Orval glasses in my house. And love Orval. When I drink an Orval, I actually do grab an Orval glass, and they've I, got the chalice. So look. yeah, yeah. They have a well, and they have a very, very peculiar chalice, yes, which is very different from the other Trappist chalices. And so I have several Orval glasses, and when I drink an Orval, yeah, it will be in an Orval glass. Yeah. Outside of that, I try, but I'm not a huge stickler, which, by the way, a very good friend of mine who's also a Belgian, who's also a certified Cicerone, who lives in Vegas and, and consults for quite a few Vegas establishments um, out on the Strip and other around their beer programs, he is an absolute beer glass maniac. Hmm. Uh, and I'm not quite that bad, but yeah. a good glass, anything but a shaker, anything but a no nick, I'm I'm usually okay. Okay, all right. Um, and this is just kind of a fun question because again, appreciating beer. <laughs> um, but what was the last beer that kind of stopped you in your tracks that you were just like, oh wait, let me give, give me a moment, people. Yeah, and I I, I think this is where my beer lover nature versus my beer and and that was alan kind of trying to that, cut off there's, uh, there's a little bit of cheese on the table yeah so we have some cheese and crackers on the table as we're talking here and so yes. he's cutting off a slice of uh Jarlsberg, which is a kind of a swiss cheese herbal nutty rind mm. notes which actually doesn't go it goes pretty well with this wheat beer that we're drinking here and so yes i do beer and cheese events too but uh back to the question it it kind of shows what a non-beer snob I am to the point where I literally now have a standing order of a case of this beer um, with, with the beer place I usually buy my beer at. And and uh, shout out, I, I can't say anything but good, it's uh, Manhattan Beer Project Necessary Evil. Um, 
I love Pilsners. I love Pilsners when they're really well made. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Grant, long-range Pils, you know, I love it. Um, but this is one of those cases where mm-hmm. I do think Manhattan beat you. Uh, Wim, yes, Lakewood, Zomer, love it. You know I do, but it's not available year-round. Manhattan Project. Uh, th- there's been a few. Wild Acres Pills is really well made as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Brain Dead. Drew, if you want to sell me kegs of some of your Pilsners, I will be more than happy to put them in my house. Unfortunately, as far as canned, readily available, or moderately readily available mm-hmm. North Texas Pilsners... Um, Necessary evil for me is it. Uh, at this point, maybe by by the time this airs, somebody came out. Somebody else may have come out, but, yeah, but yeah. at this point in time, when we're recording this, uh, that beer for me um, has has hit all the notes of what it's supposed to be. Hmm. And I love pilsners. Uh, when I come home from work, it's it's easy drinking. It's not high ABV. I can have one, figure out what I'm doing for dinner, go change, have a second one while I'm cooking dinner, and then. As I mentioned earlier, then I'll go to my fridge and find the appropriate beer to have with dinner. And I love it. It's refreshing. It's good. It's well made. No flaws. Perfectly easy drinking. And and for me, it was like, okay, there are North Texas breweries that are doing it. There's other breweries that have done it, but not on a year-round consistent basis. So that to me um, personally was 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 kind of a stopping in my tracks um and and there's other breweries what what turning point is doing with hazy ipas awesome you guys rock it what brain dead the variety of beers that brain dead cranks out again and again and again and again is mind-boggling what the collective brewing is doing in the spontaneous sour beer world ryan Mm -hmm. um you guys out there awesome um Lakewood community, I think, Pedicolas, I think we're blessed. But if I had to pick one of the last six months or so that I went, holy mackerel, I need this, um, that's the one I would... That's the one. Yeah, that's the one I would come back to. Um, It's just really well made and Hmm. easy drinking and it's right up my alley. So that's that's one I really, really impressed with. Nice, nice, nice. Anything you want to uh, promote? I know you do craft beer chats. The the last part of this mm-hmm. podcast is yours. Please promote away. Oh, Mike is yours. Yeah, so I appreciate that, Alan. I mean, not really a lot. I mean, most people know craftbeerchats.com. If you don't, craftbeerchats.com, Facebook, craftbeerchats, Twitter, craftbeerchats. Um, this is what I do. love talking about beer. Um Private events, people's homes, beer and cheese evenings like we're doing here. We're having some some cheese here with this beer. Um, uh, I had a guy not too long ago reach out to me and say, hey, it's my 50th birthday. I want to have some buddies over, but all the beer I have needs to be of this one brewery. Can you help me do this and find some food pairings with it? Uh, We did that. Off flavors, if people want to study for the certified Cicerone, Regular trainings, did some at Unrotation not too long ago, did some at Lone Star Taps and Caps around the six common off flavors. I do that kind of stuff. Basically, the the name is what I try to do. Let's mm-hmm. talk about beer. 
I don't know everything. I'm I'm more than happy to share what I know. And if people are interested, they know where to find me. And outside of that, um, have a good beer. If you like it, drink it. Yeah. Okay. Mick, thank you so very much for uh, for coming on again. I really appreciate this. Uh, you've been such a great guest. And I really appreciate the time you've taken to uh, be part of this. Anytime. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.